In the Middle Ages, it is well known that the Jewish community was constantly under assault. Anti-Jewish crusades, daily anti-Semitism, and periodic bursts of manic Jewish hatred was simply a way of life. So what did the Jews do? Their response was not to hide and cower and discard their Jewish selves. Instead, their resistance was intellectual and eternal. Instead of running away from the community, they codified the Talmud, and in doing so, created a work that is still used, studied, quested, uh, quoted from, questioned, and delved into each day. And while the Crusades are over and gone, the Jews not only survived, but the magnificent intellectual and spiritual, insightful, and oftentimes frustrating Talmud stands and thrives. Terrible times can create unbelievable works of art. In the middle of this pandemic, there have once again been wonderful pieces of art. And these pieces, like all good pieces, are not simply given a passing glance where our response would be, that's nice. Instead, great works of art welcome us and challenge us and touch us someplace deeper. A colleague showed me such a piece, and I want to share it with you. And I hope that you had a chance to take a look at the song on the Temple website and follow the lyrics. But in case you didn't, I will fill you in. The song is called Keter Malucha, The Crown of Sovereignty. Crown, I remind you, is the English word for corona, as in coronavirus. It's also from the liturgical poem you all know called All the World Shall Come to Serve Thee. Today there are two crowns. One is life-giving and one is death-dealing. Here is the poem, and though there may be terms that you don't yet understand, I will explain. Between Teruma and Titzaveh, a slightly different birthday party. Everything seems to be just fine. Stages of people and love. Between Tetzaveh and Kitisa, Esther, Purim, drinks and joy. Who will stay and who will travel and who pays the consequences? Between Kitisa and Vayakhel, the world stops gathering. To be quiet, to be closed down. Ishmael, Edom, and Yisrael. Between Vayakhel and Pekudeh, There is no one in the city or the field. There is no one to deal with. The Tower of Babel is once again confounded. What do you want us to understand from this? How do we distance ourselves and draw near to this pain? We want to live with you and not be alone. What do you want us to learn from this? How will we know how to unify the separation? until we give you the Keter Melucha. Between Pekudeh and Vayikra, we are all in the same pot. The spring has arrived, Pesach is coming, and with it much hope. To rip up the evil decree, come, my beloved, to greet the bride. We don't have strength anymore to cope or to battle on. What do you want us to understand from this? How to disconnect and reconnect to this pain? We want to live with you and not be alone. What do you want us to learn from this? 
How will we know how to unite this separation? Shema Yisrael, Adonai is one and the name is one. Between Adar and Nisan, the die was cast and with it our fate. They say this is the time for us to change our destiny. Okay, the song is a little long, but let's go through it quickly. The references at the beginning of each verse, like between Pikude and Vayikra, are Torah portions. He is reminding us how much things changed between each week's Torah portion. Like the journey in the desert, which was sometimes rudderless, we didn't know what would happen even in the next seven days. We were, like our ancestors, wandering in aimless confusion. As well, I, heard, I hope you heard the references to the evil decree, to the joy of Purim, and then to the silence of the streets, and so forth. But it is two images hidden in the poem, in the song, that caught me unprepared and where I literally backed up and said, whoa. The first image is the title itself, Keter Malucha, the crown of God. The image is uh, one of us imagining God as crowned on Yom Kippur, great of, a day of great solemnity and celebration. It comes from my favorite Yom Kippur song, All the World Shall Come to Serve You. But there is a shocking double entendre. I hope you got it. The crown of God is also the corona of God. Without having to be overtly theological, the crown today is the corona and is something that was brought into the world. And then the next question in the song hits us, what do you want us to learn from this? And that's where the second image made me stand up and say, whoa, yet again. He hints at it, and his answer is profoundly simple and at the same time profoundly difficult. Buried in the middle of the poem is the line, Ein mitrachkim umit karvim bakaev hazeh. How are we supposed to learn from this plague? How to separate and reconnect with this pain? This is the strangest line. How do we reconnect with pain? And why would we want to? We spend a good part of our lives trying to avoid pain. So what is all this about reconnecting with it? And the answer is as simple as it is disturbing. Because to reconnect with this pain is to reconnect with humanity and with God. Keeping far from the pain insulates us for sure. But keeping far from pain lets the corona of God win and not the crown of God. This plague, as reflected in this wonderful song and poem, is a struggle between the corona and the crown. We've all seen what happens when we have separated and not reconnected. Put plainly, one half of our humanity is lost. We discarded it, and once discarded, it can be hard to pick up. I think the two words of the year are hoax and corona. I dare say that the five people I buried did not die of a hoax, nor did the 195,995. We have seen the heartlessness of too many people. The real hoax, the real hoax was exposed. 
And that is the hoax we tell ourselves that when confronted with evil, we would never fall into evil. How wrong we were. When confronted with the 20 million Ukrainians that died during the Great Famine, Joseph Stalin quipped the infamous and well-known phrase saying, you can't make an olive, omelet, excuse me, without breaking some eggs. How many times have we heard that this year in one form or another? We have heard it from all corners of the country. To answer the question of the song, what do you want us to learn from this? We have learned what it means to be heartless, uncaring, unsympathetic, and basically mean. When mere breathing can be dangerous and even fatal, those who belittle the suffering have shown us a truly ugly part of their souls, and maybe even worse, they have shown it to themselves. Like the picture of Dorian Gray, too many of us will only see the inner ugliness if we look into the mirror of our soul, and such is the power of this Day of Atonement. And Yom Kippur is about hope. So where is the hope in the song? Where is the future? Like a lot of hope in difficult times, it is found on the other word buried deep in the song. And while it is true that we may have disconnected mitrachim from the pain, the other half of the equation comes to balance the scales from the verb umitkarvim, to reconnect. Our humanity is stored, restored when we reconnect. We are too human when we separate from the pain, but we become fully human when we come together in understanding, respect, empathy, sympathy, and love. We become human when we reconnect with the pain because to reconnect is finally, finally to understand. Reconnecting restores our humanity and to live without our humanity is simply to exist. Yom Kippur is a day We are to confront that ugly part of our soul that we put on display too often. It is as if this year, more than any other I can remember, that our yetzer hara, our evil impulse, is the thing that drives us, and not necessarily the yetzer hatov, what Abraham Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. In a synagogue in Poland, there is a quote from Abraham Ibn Ezra, my favorite medieval philosopher, which says, a man worries about the loss of his money, but fails to worry about the loss of his days. His money cannot help him, and his days will never return. Imagine praying in that synagogue with those words towering over you. Each second of our lives gets us one second closer to our deaths, while each penny we accumulate cannot save us from the inevitable decree. Praying for guidance and praying for the Yetzer Hatov to be our guiding light is not a magical prayer. It's a prayer that asks God to help us restore our humanity to our already two human hearts and souls. Milton Steinberg, one of the giants of the Jewish world in the mid-20th century, suffered the first of his heart attacks in 1943. 
When he was finally let outside from the hospital, he writes about the experience, and this is what he says. As I crossed the threshold, sunlight greeted me. So long as I live, I shall never forget that moment, the golden glow of sunlight. It touched me with friendship, with warmth and blessing. In that instant, I looked to see whether anyone else showed on his face the joy I felt. But as far as I could detect, none gave it any heed. And then I remembered how often I too had been indifferent to sunlight, preoccupied with petty concerns. I had disregarded it. And I said to myself, how precious is the sunlight, but alas, how careless of it are men. I was reminded to spend life wisely and not squander it. And Milton Steinberg did not squander it, by the way. And even though his doctors told him not to work so hard, he chose to ignore them and literally died at his desk while writing a few years later of yet another heart attack. We are taught that this is the day of atonement when our sins will be ignored by God. I have no doubt that this is true. But there is the first half of the quote from which this phrase comes, which is more disturbing. The whole expression says, Averot sheben adam lamakom, yom hakipurim mechaper. Averot sheben adam lachavero, ein yom hakipurim mechaper. Ad et For sins between a person and God, the Day of Atonement atones. But for the sins of one person against another, the Day of Atonement does not atone unless, unless they have reconciled with one another. There's a big difference between the way we often read the first part of the Mishnah and when what the Mishnah reads when we include the second part. Only when and only if we have begun to reconcile with those we have hurt with our deeds and words, does Yom Kippur have any relevance, let alone any effect with God. Today, we're supposed to crown God and embrace our Yetzer Hatov with everyone in our lives, yet how can we stop thinking about the other corona? This terrible corona in a strange way, is a gift. Because if we are brave enough and strong enough to see how this disease-causing corona has allowed so much inner ugliness to percolate to the surface, then maybe we will finally see that Yom Kippur and its calls for repentance is not simply a day to be endured, but rather a day that can truly change our lives and the lives of so many others. The Mishnah's message is also one of impatience. If we don't purge ourselves of the hate and loathing of others, if all we feel toward those who are suffering or suffered is some kind of visceral disgust, if all we can say to the dead and to those that love them is that they died of a hoax, then the Mishnah tells us better not to have pretended even asking for a soul change. Because if we're not going to change, what exactly is the point of Yom Kippur? What this moment in our Jewish year is 
begging us to consider is how easily we can fall into what I call soul death. It is not the death of the soul per se, it's the death of gentleness, kindness, repentance, and the forgiveness that comes from our soul. When Rachel Carson wrote Silent Spring in 1962, it was uh, somehow prophetic, and not just about climate change, but also about the corrosion of the soul that we witness today. Here's what she wrote. We stand now where two roads diverge, but unlike the roads in Robert Frost's familiar poem, they are not equally fair. The road we have long been traveling is deceptively easy, a smooth superhighway on which we progress with great speed, but at its end lies disaster. The other fork of the road, the one less traveled by, offers our last only chance to reach a destination that assures the preservation of the earth. Today, I substitute the word soul for earth. Today, this Yom Kippur is our chance, and maybe for some of us, our last chance to reach a destination that assures us of the preservation of our soul. When we speak of who shall live and who shall die, we are not speaking only literally. We are speaking soulfully and of our own souls. Yet the death of the Spirit is the one death that every one of us can control. As the Hasidic story asks, how far is God? It answers its own question. God is but one step away, for all we have to do is turn around. Or to continue the music of the song and the poem, our real Yom Kippur begins the moment we step out of our homes and our comfort zone, and instead of mitrach kim, creating a spiritual distance to one another, We understand that that only leads to the death of the spirit of love and the exaltation of the Yetzer Hara. But where there is distance, there is also potential for mit karvim, for the coming together, for turning around and facing both ourselves and others, for embracing the compassion and love and respect that we tell ourselves, that our tradition teaches and that we know deep down in our hearts, we have too often ignored. This day is calling to us. This day is calling to us in the loudest possible voice our tradition can muster. The day is not about what we are wearing on the outside, but how we are wearing our souls on the inside. It's not about the liturgy on a live-streamed YouTube screen in our living rooms, but about the liturgy upon our heart, that too often goes unheeded. Today is not so much about acquiring a new soul, but rather about acquiring a new soulfulness. We say to each other, Shana Tova, you know it usually means Happy New Year, but it doesn't really mean that. The root of Shana, the root of the word Shana, is to change. Shana Tova really says, have a good change. Too many of us changed this year and we watched others suffer with indifference, loathing, and cynicism. Let this year be different. Let this year be a good change, a Shana Tova, where we embrace mit karvim, the supernal bonds that exalt our humanity. 
It is then and only then that the corona we are struggling with and brings out the worst in us can become the keter, the crown. And if we choose to embrace that crown, then we are listening to the voice of God and Yom Kippur will have meant something. And so I wish you once again, Eshena Tova, a good year to be sure, a year of health and prosperity and happiness and healing. But I also wish you, Eshena Tova, a year for a good change. Let it be a year when we replace the Corona with the Keter and where we live the words of the living God on our hearts, in our minds, and on our sleeves. Shana Tova.